0: This is Brain Fuzz, the Art, Music and Culture Podcast with Joe Camuza and Matthew White. Today, Joe and Matthew visit the studio of artist Sarah Hobbs on the heels of a recent gallery show. The occasion is an opportunity to explore the creative process and the cadence of projects and shows. Obsession and collection are examined. Sarah offers an unusual movie recommendation. This is episode 46.
1: I always kind of joke uh, about, you know, that most artists are are hoarders of sorts, you know, hoarding materials, past work, uh, etc. But um, have you always been, would you call yourself a, a collector?
2: I would not. I am a perjurer. Um, okay. In, in my home life, I like to clean things out. I like things orally. I like to open a drawer and be able to see everything that's in there um so but you know here I do tend to save things so when it comes to work
0: Mm -hmm. when it comes
2: to well that's an interesting material or object maybe I could use that I'll save it um but not not in my everyday my house is not like this at all it's very, but this it's is fair. very.
1: very We're in a very ordered studio with great light, and yes, mm-hmm. uh, and I would put myself as I'm. A, I'm in neat, uh, you know, order in terms of my flat files and shelves, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it, it, you mentioned the keyword order, so in other words, you need structure and order, mm-hmm. and like a, a blank slate to be able to work.
2: I like to start that way. Yes, yeah. I'm in the process right now of. I mean, this is very neat, and there are much fewer materials around that I might use than normal. I've been coming here almost every day and cleaning something out, um, just to try to start fresh. It's a little bit different of a thing for me. Typically, I would save materials in case I wanted to use them again, but I don't ever do that, so.
3: Think of some, some studios that we've been in which I don't even see how you get anything done in some of these places.
1: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think some people like it to be seemingly chaos yeah, in order to create. And then a lot of folks, if they get, like, the equivalent of writer's block, the way to get out is to, like, just clean the studio. Like, like deep clean, you know, like the mm-hmm. stuff you don't normally want to do versus just straightening up. So it is kind of funny how... I guess these are coping... You know, again, another word that seems to... Um, come front and center after reading your statement here how do you cope and deal with all the you know the questions surrounding what to make how to make it you know cleaning is certainly one of those things you don't necessarily have to think too much it's kind of meditative calms you down and then maybe puts you in a is, would you say that's fair
2: i would say that's very fair you know it you would typically when you do a show people like to ask you well what's next yeah, I mean, yeah. Just do I don't this. know many artists yeah. who have an answer, well, I'm about to do this, and I'm, I mean, of course there are, but it's usually not me. I have to have a little time, you know, because what I deal with is so psychological, and I have to be in those issues to, um, for me, I have to be in the issues to really feel like I can make the work, make it strong. I have to really take on what's going on in the image. So I've gone on this sort of roller coaster emotionally and psychologically. I can't. I've never been able to just jump into the next thing, and also I just feel, you know, just feel kind of depleted. So I don't want to not come and and not, you know, sort of get the creative juices flowing. And this is just a way to do it. Yeah, there was a ton of. This was a mess right here a couple of days ago, and I just organized everything, and and it was felt really good I felt like I was putting things away that I've done and then I don't always have all of the sketchbook work up but I was trying to move it around in different ways and think of the images in different ways and not to just sort of prolong the ideas that I've just worked with but to come up with something new so like just lay out stuff that Uh I haven't used and see what happens
3: because this is not a visual medium and we're talking about art and and for those that are not familiar with your work Mm -hmm. uh, could you describe it briefly uh, in a way that I think one of the questions people have, are we dealing with installation? Are we dealing with photography? Are we dealing with both?
2: The overall sentence that I always say is that I am constructing psychological space. In the photographs, I create an installation of hyperbolic situation that possibly someone could do, but possibly it's how someone feels. Mm-hmm. You know, this space maybe just exists in the mind, or it doesn't exist really. And these spaces are created just to photograph. Installations I create because I want the viewer to be completely immersed in the space and feel the space in addition to the objects in it. And usually there are only photographs and only and it, that isn't an installation and then the installations are not photographed. There's one instance where that isn't the case. Um, there is a photograph that was an installation. Um, but typically it really depends on the idea and how, um, if it would exist better as a photo or an installation. But I'm creating a psychological feeling.
0: In her solo exhibition, Twilight Living, at Atlanta's Hathaway Gallery, visitors were first met with large photographs, most 48 by 60 inches in scale. Toward the rear of the space, visitors could view and enter a room-size installation entitled Everything and Nothing You Need Cellar. In this large wooden structure, seemingly countless objects in small jars are arranged neatly That's, on yeah, shelves.
1: That one of those where, because there's, I mean, I don't even, how long did it take you to amass all of those objects? And was that specifically for that piece, or is that stuff, again, you're saying you don't really have boxes of, I mean, is that just you're on eBay, like, for months, or?
2: Ultimately, yes. Wow. Um, so, how, it started because, um, so I had these baby food jars when my daughter was little, and I, like I said, I typically never save things, but I thought, oh, well, maybe I could use these, so I saved all of the jars, and I had some like really beautiful bark and all this natural material that I had like on the shelves, and I didn't know why I was doing it, but you know, it was a sort of collecting, and then I brought the jars in and put things in and I thought what I wonder what this is this can be something but I'm not quite sure so then I just everywhere I went sort of looked on the ground and if there was something interesting and of course not disgusting I would pick it up (laughs) and put it in a jar and then I thought well you know baby food jars sort of have their own it's a universal type of shape and they have their own sort of indication so um I need other kinds of jars and if they're mixed in with it, then it really won't make that much of a difference. So I became a little more purposeful. And then I would, you know, if I was at um, any store, Party City or, you know, any random like big box store or Dollar Tree mm-hmm. or whatever, I would just um, look around and find stuff. And often it was, you know, some strange object or some strange, some regular object that I could pull something off of, and it would look weird. And um, but there's also a lot of everyday stuff in there. Um, so I did that casually for a while, and then once I figured out that it should be an entire room like that, I really got going, and I, I basically, you know, for. Like technical and you know purposes and putting it together, I had to measure in feet how many jars just so I could measure how you know big I wanted the installation to be. I had 75 feet of jars when I started um, when I figured out how many I needed, how many feet I needed, and um, so the last year it really kicked in. But I would say for three years I was casually collecting, but it really kicked in. And I went after it. Like every single day, I would get up and think, well, "What else is something that's not on my list?" Or I would look. I would wow. look on ABA, EBA, Bay. I would come up with some idea. I would find it, um, and then that would lead to something else. You know, all these wormholes. I would go down, and I would still find things that you know. The um, there's some work being done on my street, so they put those you know all the utility companies came and put all the flags and had to spray the ground i was so excited because that means that leaves got sprayed in all these different colors mm-hmm. so i collected them and, and bark and everything and put them in separate jars and like, that's like five feet it's great <laughs> um, so that kind of Collecting was more of the artist, but I still tried to stay in the mind of the person who's actually implied as the collector, who every day is thinking about, you know, oh, I like that, I'm going to put it in the jar. I see that, I'm going to put it in the jar. None of this is anything of value. A lot of it is trash um, or the wrappers of something or something that was useful and now it's not.
1: Like, would you say that bordered on obsession at, after a while in terms of amassing this was it pleasurable or is it just like holy cow i mean
2: i think um a
1: tractor trailer load full yeah. of stuff
2: in the beginning it felt a little daunting that i needed so much but then i thought well just like any other piece that i do you know i'm gonna be in it for a while and it's gonna be every day um but it did feel I think the way that collecting that kind of thing feels. Okay, I've got three feet. You feel good about that, mm-hmm. but you gotta have more. Yeah. And um, there's a book over there, I can't remember the author's name, Collections of Nothing. And he has the cereal the flat the cardboard of every cereal box he has ever bought. It's literally lit and every tuna can label it literally collections of absolutely nothing wow and I, I i you know he implies that it led to his divorce um and so, you know just amassed wow. everything and uh you know it, at, at that point that that is a serious obsession where you just can't stop that is hoarding you know yeah yeah um and this is I would say that might be hoarding, but, you know, it's not really because it's very orderly yeah, and the things are very specific and, um, it, it you know, there's just the, there's a difference. Yeah. I think, I think anyone can notice the difference between those. Oh, totally. I mean,
1: looking at that piece, I mean, um, and I'm probably looking at it through like still life, um, uh, is right now, and it's like it's beautiful in terms of all the different colors and textures, and you know it is ordered. And uh, on, um, I believe those look like the uh,
0: inspired by the world. shelves in Hobbs' installation and studio. The conversation quickly detours to collection and organization in the context of vinyl records. Of course,
3: what comes to mind is the difference when you're in these different record shops of how. It's almost like you're dealing with a hoarding mentality. A lot of these guys, mm-hmm. that have these shops. And they have created a system of order for these albums mm-hmm. that doesn't always make sense to <laughs> us as the, as the consumer. Right. Right. But we walk in there, and you have, and, I, and I think of a couple of shops in particular where you ask them, you know, well, where is the, and it's like, oh, it's over an audio file. Wouldn't You know that that's in the audio file section? Like, There's usually no, a I would just go ahead and yeah, play. They
1: look at you like, wait.
3: And, and it, I went <laughs> in one and it was picture discs, we're all in another area, so you might, but in, in their mind, that that's was how correct, they brought the order. And then I've been in other shots where it got rebooted and you walk in it's like well somebody had an epiphany one night in the middle of the night you <laughs> the know right. what? We decimal
1: didn't. system <laughs>
3: <laughs> and and now i'm relearning the whole shop you know or yeah. the alpha, or, or the or it's alphabetical but the m's pick up over there you know in the corner mm-hmm. so it's almost like creating that order yourself and and i guess that that's part of the condition is is that the comfort that you get in creating that order
2: yes and there probably is some sort of lull that would make you reorder. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. This seems pretty good. I'm pretty content. I think I'm gonna shake it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. gotta be a better way.
1: Yeah. Know? Well, do you ever yeah. move uh, do you ever move your books around? Yeah. Cause I find like I kind of have these and it, it makes no sense and I try not to dig too deep into it, but there are just these weird and it's not even color combinations of the spines. Uh, but sometimes it's just like this artist needs to be near this artist and I just mm-hmm. kind of go with it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I could be guilty of the, uh, but it's my, it's I, your I, collection. It's not my yeah.
3: it's, but uh, you, so your art books are not alphabetical no, by no, they're not. No. How are they ordered right now? That's what I'm saying.
1: It's kind it's, of by, there are these weird groupings that I try not to think to, but it just makes sense that certain yeah. artists are near. Maybe their work is inspired or, uh, I don't know. Well, ultimately,
3: it's organized so you can find it, yeah, not so plus, that I can right. walk in yeah, and exactly. it. Exactly. Right.
1: But it's also more fun. But the records yeah. have to be alphabetized. Otherwise, it's like, where the hell is blah, blah, blah.
3: But do you alphabetize? Do you alphabetize by artist and then uh, by release oh, date? Oh, yeah. I have to do that. By release date. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh. And then people oh, come yes. over and they yeah. start, oh, no, 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 I'll take care of it later. As yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hmm. Chewing like my... Like in a movie
2: Diner, when we had everything organized and he got mad at his wife because she just wanted to listen to a record and... <laughs> It's like, what's the B-side? I just want to listen to the song.
1: (laughs) I always joke with people, like, oh, no, no, we don't listen to these. They just 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 sit there. Yes, don't touch. No, no."
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think with, you know, with music, with collecting records, you know, there's at least that potential for, like, some additional joy and enjoyment. With this, you know, with a, a piece like this, maybe the person comes down and looks at it but I don't know you know it's there do you yeah. just move on to the next thing and it's just here
3: I, in viewing it I had a difficulty with entering
2: mm-hmm.
3: which is good which is it, it was a good tension um, but it was you know I got something from that. Is it's, it's almost like you're entering a space that you're not supposed to be in mm-hmm. it's someone's kind of private uh, almost like a private life and you know I can look from out here but I really shouldn't go in
2: that's a lot of um, what I like about all of yeah. the work because all of the spaces are so very private yes. that um, the viewer is like a boy. Right. Yeah. And, you know, depending on your personality, mm-hmm. maybe you're a person who is nosy, maybe you're not. Oh, I
1: think most people you are. Know. People go to open houses, you know, just to look. Yeah, or yeah. now with all those real estate sites, I'm sure a lot of folks are just
2: like, oh, look at
3: that. Look, <laughs> look at the books they have on their shelves. <laughs> Do you have you had anybody move things around? No. No? Mm-mm. Would you know?
2: I think because everything has um, museum wax on it, uh, that okay. um, it would be, it would be probably obvious I just, that someone... I was, yeah, yeah, okay. I the was, ones on the very top are not, but...
1: I was curious, though, in terms of placement, if you'd be like, you know...
2: Oh, no, I wouldn't know. Somebody right there.
1: Yeah. Are they, like... Is there some kind of taxonomy? Like, if that gets shipped to, you know, a museum in terms of how that's installed, is that, like, some preparator's nightmare where it's, like, C3, C4?
2: No, I'd say go for it. Okay. I I would be interested in seeing how other people arrange it. The only thing I really arrange specifically together is, when you walk in on the right, um, sort of two shelves down, is a row that has... A jar with photographs of eyes that are cut out, googly eye, like t- three variations of googly eyes, and a jar with um, all of the contacts I wore for a year. So it's nice. all got to do with eyes. That one, and that is all I did. And I don't really care if someone breaks that up either. I'm just curious to see what else someone would do.
1: When you're putting this type of work together, would you say it's almost like do you? Uh, are you taking on a role or are you becoming like does it feel like you're taking on a character of sorts?
2: It does so when I was in graduate school and I started this work, I was doing um, like a a one-on-one with one of my professors but I mean, he was I was doing a bookmaking thing with him, but we were talking about this work and he said, you know you should be careful because, whatever you're working on you could take on the issue yourself Wow! and it was so insightful and I thought okay well that's true but I should use that so at at times that can be difficult but I find that if I really try to put myself in the shoes of the person with the issue or who what you know the person who's trying to arrange their or disarrange um then it helps me get in to the work better and get a little bit deeper. It's not always fun and it's not always dramatic either. I mean, I just, I just have to stay in that headspace for a little while, while the work is being made. Which you is know? also
1: probably easier again, having to not have it to live with it like 24 seven in your yeah. home, be able to come here or wherever. And, mm-hmm. you know, the end of the day, turn off the light, walk out and, and yeah. leave it. Um, mm-hmm. So you've been making this type of work then for, for a while. A while. Mm-hmm. Has it taken you down some you know really weird roads where you're just like wait a minute. Yeah. I need to. Wow. Okay. And it
2: hasn't I haven't you know gone too deep into anything. Um, you know luckily if, if it's not really your own issue, you have your own life to sort of pull you back in. Mm. You know you, I'm working on something and then I have to go to the grocery store and I can step out of it. But it is, you know, it is something that I keep thinking about, you know. Um, when I was making, there's a piece called Voluntary Mental Facility, and it's um, not in this piece, but it's all of these God's eyes. That, you can see one over there that I started making. <clears throat> I had to make, I had to, I chose to make yeah. um, <laughs> a, a ton of them and to use for an installation, and I really, kn- I didn't get an assistant to help me make them, and I could have, but <clears throat> I thought I really should feel what it's like to think that this is calming and meditative in an arts and crafts session. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've gone for exhaustion or for whatever reason, people decide to check out for a little while, and check into a place. What that What is the name of this place? <laughs> the installation no. oh I know. there <laughs> I are sense. many of them around and I at I, one point thought I would go um, actually set the installation up like rent mm-hmm. a room and then I thought I don't want anybody to think I'm being callous to have some no, sort of comment right. but, uh, but the whole time I was thinking this would not be bad you know I wouldn't mean to check out for a you know like there are people who severely need things right. like that and it's great that they can realize but I think there's a time in everyone's life when might be a good idea you know just regroup yourself and and
1: uh well you keep talking about like the in-between and I keep thinking it applies to you know let's let's keep it germane to visual arts I mean those of us that have a studio practice I think that's very much kind of like checking out on it's not saying you're not working very hard, but there is this, you know, this role that you take on, um, whether you're making photographs or installations or painting or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, but obviously, you know, most of us, the difference being you go back to at some point during the day, you got, like you said, resume daily mm-hmm. life, grocery store, whatever.
2: You have to be in it, I think, no matter what you make. Yeah. You know, this just happens to be work that deals with psychology but whatever you're dealing with you really have to be in it and there is a time you know this in-between time between being in it and going back to your real world right and and that's i mean it is twilight it's this it's this transition time and you know i know there are a lot of little kids when they're little have a hard time with transition time and i just and i never thought about that until i had kids but a lot you know like from going to the playground to Mm -hmm. lunch and there's a difficulty but well i mean that's not just with kids Yeah, i very often if i'm really into work um or or whatever it is i'm doing and then i go get in the carpool line the carpool line is my transition time it's very quiet and usually i'm read or something but it's but then once they get in the car, everything has changed. And mm-hmm. it takes me a little while to um, to transition. Okay, this is a di- totally different part of my day. And I have to deal with it in a complete, you know, this is now dealing with people. Yeah. <laughs> have, yeah. Not just me. Right. And, um, you know, it can, and it if it's difficult, it's me, it's not them. It's just I'm having a hard time getting back into Oh, shifting from that
3: creative space with the, the, I don't want to say self-absorption, but you're you're absorbed in what you're doing. And that is the most important thing at that moment. Mm -hmm. And then to have to deal with other people and their problems, it's exhausting.
2: You just have, yeah, that's all me. And then all of a sudden, you're for other people. Yeah. And, you know, and... As artists, we have to be selfish with our time. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I,
0: that's what I don't David Lynch, yeah. know
2: many artists. I, I could say, oh, that's just a selfish person because that's just not the case. But with our time, you know, we have to be because it's, it's hard. You know, it takes a while to get into your creative process. And then you know that at some point, for whatever reason, you have to get out of it.
3: In that David Lynch book, Room to Dream, he says that specifically is you have to be selfish
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's
3: tough to let yourself do that
1: mm-hmm. well or disciplined i mean does yeah. anybody call a surgeon you know like oh you're selfish taking all that time to get good at being a surgeon <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah but i mean yeah. i think, I think right. we do i know we're, we're teetering on the, the brain fuzz self-help
3: there we but, go uh, it's it's kind of hard not to it's hard not to but to just kind of skirt it and then I made, a, I made a note here. I picked up the monograph Small Problems in Living, mm-hmm. which was at yes. 2011, 2011,
0: 2012.
3: Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed reading it, and I, I made some notes here. On the back, it says that these images explore phobias and obsessive-compulsive behaviors and how we attempt to deal with them, which is a nice kind of introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also said that oftentimes these comfortable spaces house our uneasiness but what struck me was that I don't wouldn't call any of these spaces comfortable right I mean, there's a tension in those images not just not I mean setting and the uh, subject mm-hmm. but just like this installation when we want there's a tension there mm-hmm. it's not comfortable right those spaces aren't intended to be comfortable are they
2: no the idea is that Inherently, the domestic space, the idea of a domestic space yes. in general, is a, supposed to be a comfortable space. Yes. But what happens when your neuroses and phobias and your psychology has room to grow mm-hmm. is it can tend to become uncomfortable. Yes, yes. And you can't really get away from it. This All of this work started when I moved into... Um, an apartment by myself when I was in graduate school. I, you know, I lived at home and then I always had roommates. Mm-hmm. And not that I didn't like, I loved every roommate that I'd ever had, but I was so excited to live by myself because I could put everything exactly where I wanted it. I could, you know, have my schedule and mm-hmm. not worry about it interfering with anybody else's. It was just me and my stuff yeah, and that was great but then you know like one o'clock in the morning I'm like oh <laughs> it's just me <laughs> and my stuff and my issues you know I didn't have any kind of distraction anyone to talk you know to discuss um, you know a book or a bill we have to pay it just mm-hmm. you know it was just me yeah. mm-hmm. and it was a lot of me and so I just thought well what happens when this very comfortable space
3: becomes uncomfortable. I also read in there, there's a, a lot about, you know, postmodernism in there and I get that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it almost, it's almost like that's too easy for me. There's, I see, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I also see humor in this yes. work as well. Mm-hmm. And in sometimes that humor, there are different targets for that humor. Mm-hmm. So that's fair to say. Absolutely. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also sense in that humor, uh, there's a sense of redemption as well. So when I think of Gregory Crutzen's work, for example, I don't feel that redemption.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I, it's almost at a moment caught in a moment of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see that here. So, so is there redemption and is there a
2: way out? I don't know if there's a way out, but I think that well, maybe the way out is that. Even by looking at this work, if you're a person who has some issue or another, you never told anybody about it. You feel mm-hmm. like you're the only person in the world, and then you see an image about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, maybe I'm not the only person. So the redemption could be in the fact that you're not alone. You know, you may not. There's not like a focus group about it in the yeah. corner of the you know of the gallery to talk about it, but. Um, and that combined with the humor, um, you know, there, I just felt like there should be some levity and I wanted it to also push the idea that these are everyday issues. Mm -hmm. They're not clinical issues Mm -hmm. Yeah, because each of these has, you know, of course, as they say nowadays, a spectrum and this, the, I'm not dealing with things on that severe level where, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be on medication and, um, it's a very severe thing because there's nothing funny about any of that. If it's on an everyday level, we can sort of joke at our right. problems. We all have mm-hmm. something and you know, to just get through the day with it. If you know there are other people, maybe they don't have your issue, but you know, okay, right. well everybody's flawed. Then that's not so bad that I have this flaw.
3: Has your work and your practice evolved over time in that way? Do you think that there has been, maybe m- more of a light at the end of the tunnel because i look at the uh, works in this in this monograph for example mm-hmm. and then i see this the works in this latest exhibition and i do see i see some evolution there maybe in the tone mm-hmm. is, would you say that's true or no
2: i think for a long time there was this work has it's not political but it is more of this time yeah. and it's a little more sociological mm-hmm. um, so I don't know I there's a more of a, yeah we're kind of in this together um, and here are the issues and mm-hmm. um, you, maybe you can see it that way so it's just this is a, a little bit different way of getting there um, it seems a little bit darker this time too just because this is more of or the other issues were more about bringing people out and you know you're not alone this is somewhat about people pulling away from each other in a way you know that's sort of what we are doing these days so maybe it's not quite as light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. this one i hope there is but i don't see it yet
3: yeah, the two that stick out in my mind are operable arrangement and living but flood-ready, mm-hmm. particularly living but flood-ready. Mm-hmm.
1: What was the reaction
3: to this work when you
1: started? Because he mentioned Gregory Crudson, and I'm thinking that he, that, you know, now, of course, or for recently, in recent years of that work is greatly celebrated. And from mm-hmm. what I understand, like, when he started making that, it was like, what is this? This isn't even art.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just always interesting to stick to your guns what or, right. or it is you're making, but did you did you have support? It sounds like you had a really, really good professor that
0: I did said, here yeah. you go
1: but hey watch out for the uh...
2: <laughs> yeah, and he was um, not really the he wasn't a a photo professor, and so when I first started making this work, um, it didn't look a lot. Like this, some of it was black and white, and it was very minimal. And it grew out of this love I have of photographing abandoned houses, and you ah. can see a lot of that over there. And I, over time, I realized that <clears throat> what I really was interested in was this psychological weight that these places had, and it wasn't put there by the people because I had no idea who lived there. Right? It was me, and what I wanted
1: the story, you the want to story tell. to sure. be.
2: So I thought, well, what if I direct this more and make it much more hyperbolic? So these sort of timid pieces that I was making I sort of pushed away and, and just started making it more out of control just covering the entire room with paint chips instead of like a wall or a little, because it didn't really bring the idea home as much. Right. And so, yeah I, I did get Support and when I decided to make them 48 by 60, I didn't have any of the prints before um, the actual MFA show, so no one had seen them.
0: Oh, wow, except
2: me. And um, you know, I'd shown them like whatever I could, I made the proof prints at school, and then I had to come down here to get the big ones done. And um, my professor said, I guess I should have asked you. It's, I could see the big ones first, but it was fine. Yeah, that's cool. So I mean, I, you know, I had been thinking it about it for so long that I really just knew that they had to be a certain size, and I knew that I had to really push it with the materials, and you know, it felt good. I mean, you know, grad school they just sort of swim around for a couple of years yeah. and hope you can get something meaningful out of it, and um, if you you know, hit on it, it's, you know
1: yeah, it. Right so. On the um, abandoned abandoned house uh, front, these are, I mean, you're going into them? Is this something you still do? Yeah. Um, that like, the thought of it, I mean, I love, again, the voyeur and mm-hmm. me, the, the one who loves to look at beautiful books on photography. Uh, I don't know why that just scares the hell out of me to the stop. And like, how do you know what well, might be on the other side of the wall? Are you by yourself? I mean, have you had bad experience? I'm asking like forty questions at once, but
2: I've never had a bad experience. Um, w- when I started doing all that, I w- it was I was single, I had no kids, so I didn't really think about any of that. I mean, typically I am like scared, <laughs> but when, for some <laughs> reason, when I like getting photographs was more important, I just didn't even think about being scared but a lot of times I did have people with me okay. I spent one summer going to Oglethorpe County like out in mm-hmm. Jefferson Highway and and like all these little weird towns Maxis Philomath you know just random and there's a lot of emptiness there mm-hmm. old buildings and I would just I mean I was by myself every one of those I would see like someone doing a control burn of an area of the forest I'm like I'm going over there there were no cell phones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I right. had a cell phone, but I probably left it at home because nobody really used it. wasn't even thinking. Um, but I did have a roommate once who, um, and she still does this. she's a location scout for movies and television. So she knew where a lot of the good stuff was. For a long time, I did sort of forget about doing that. But um, when I went to, um, I did residency at Sar- down at Saranby, mm-hmm. and there's a road like a dirt road next to the cottages um, where you stay. And there's this weird house down there. And in, in the front yard is, it's like this weird sunken garden thing, and it's all grown up. And there's this weird pyramid. Wow. And the house looks like um, like a you know random suburban house, but um, it's quite large, And there's what looks like the beginnings of building out another part of the house on one side. And it's condemned. And I just thought, what's going on with this? So I I texted um, the director and I said, please tell me that this is a cult house. And he said, you're not wrong. (laughs) Do you want to go in? I'll take you. So... um, He took me in, and and it's not like this old home or anything, but it's very creepy and random. And it is very much the people left in the middle of the night. There are dirty dishes in the sink, and it's just really odd. And, um, yeah, I got uh, Daniel Fuller to come down (laughs) to go through it, too. And we had a blast. Um, But there there was a a group of people who lived in that place, and... And they did wear white robes and chanted and had drums every, like, afternoon or something. Um, So I did a lot of research. I could not find anything except for um, the possibility of being the Abians. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Um, That after their leader, of course, was convicted um, of all these horrible crimes, some factions did dispersed throughout the metro Mm -hmm. Atlanta area so it's possible that that's who that was I don't know um but it was really fascinating and then I got back into finding old houses um I I mean I don't really do it that often but um, when I can I
3: do so this I'm glad you bring this up because now this is more rural exploration but this urban exploration mm-hmm. I don't know if you watch these YouTube videos um, these I'd mean, teams that do this and go into the like white you know abandoned Kmart you know mm-hmm. uh, shopping malls that have failed I mean I got I got pretty heavy into it for a while mm-hmm. and I was it. binge watching the okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and it the, the feelings that you experience when you are watching this nothing ever happens right But there's a calm, there's a peace, there's a, you know, you question what's going on here. What is that? Why are we attracted to that?
2: I don't know. I think it's a thrill in a way. You know, there's, especially for urban explorers, a lot of places they go into, they're not supposed to be. Yeah. There's a lot of trespassing. Yes. You know. We could get arrested type situation. So there's
3: the thrill of that. There's a
2: the thrill of that. And there's a thrill that they might some find. You just, you know, it's like a, what was his name? Geraldo Rivera and um, Al Capone's fault Capone. yeah. or whatever. <laughs> just, you never, I mean, he didn't yeah. find anything, but you never know what you're going to find. Yes. That's the sort of exciting.
3: Um, but I wonder if there's also a primitive element. In that that satisfying something, I can go in here and use this and seek shelter here. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think about, you know, uh, Minecraft, you know, and I wonder if that's also a similar kind of thing. Like, let's build something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a primitive hook that's uh, that's, uh, in the brain or what, but it's, uh, I don't know why. So I'm not trespassing when I'm watching this on YouTube. You know, in, in the case of these abandoned malls, this, you, there's usually a backstory. Yeah. And you're curious about the backstory, like the finance, you know, what happened with the, the financial side of it, because there's a reason it's abandoned.
2: For me, it's the mystery. Well, I, and I will say, like, there's this moment when I'm standing outside of a house that I don't know what's in there, uh-huh. where my imagination gets going and it's sometimes more exciting than what I find. Right. you don't know Right. there's a house that's um, in Shiloh Georgia that is really beautiful and um, my dad and I drove over I just wanted to to look at it oddly enough it turns out my mom has a friend whose cousin owns it so they let me in um, and let me photograph they asked me if it was for a school project I, thought, I was very flattered because I think she thought I was a student. No, I'm not a student. Um, but I will say <laughs> the outside, I mean, I, I do like the inside. It, it is quite great. But there was something about the owner being there and asking me questions where I was like, I'm gonna say, can you just sh- sh- shut up so I can work? Um, <laughs> there was something that sort of tore that down because they were there with me. Yeah. They were telling me some stories about like it was owned by this guy who was a banker and his two sisters lived there, so it was just three siblings, and that's kind of weird. They had... The entrance hall, they had almost wallpapered with newspapers. It was like Kennedy shot. It was super... Yeah,
1: so time capsule.
2: ...historical. Wow. Yeah. You know, it was very interesting, and, and I didn't have that chance to sort of let my imag- imagination yeah, really go. Right. Um, but there is... There's just this idea of the unknown that I just want to find out. And I've always been that way. Um, There's this random little short movie that was made for kids. And I think it was made like in the late 60s, but I watched it in second grade. I've never forgotten it. And you can find it on YouTube. It's called Winter of the Witch. And it's uh, so this mom and her son leave the city. And they drive, they don't say where they're driving, but they drive to upstate New York. And they go, first thing they do is go to a real estate agent's office. And the guy is in, you know, this sweet, like, cheesy salesman outfit. And he says, Oh, there's a house on the edge of town. I'll say for $500. And she says, $500? Yeah, $500. I'll take it. Side so not see. So they drive up and they get out of the car. And it's somewhat... It's twilight. It's like, the end of the day. And it looks... It's like a huge house. And it, it's dark. And it like, looks like an abandoned house. And I lo- I wanted to show... I wanted the teacher to show that to us every single day. I loved it. Because <laughs> I didn't know what was inside. And when we got in, it was an abandoned... Of course, you know, like because it's a kids, there's a witch that lives in the attic. And... Uh, she comes down and she decides to make pancakes for people, these blueberry pancakes. And I guess they have LSD or something in them because oh, everybody's super happy. Oh, boy. And, like, the Even better. little, yeah, little wow. nosy, mean, late old lady neighbors come. And, They're showing,
1: uh, this was shown in school for kids? Like yeah, I mean, gives you know, it's supposed to, nice, I guess,
2: like, be a potion, but, like, oh, the kid takes a bite of the... Um, of the pancakes and they freeze the frame and put all these colored dots what else Oh, you I'm watching to? this. I've
3: got to see this. And
2: so Don't it do makes drugs, everybody kids. happy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's so great. it makes everybody happy so they make like a they turn the house into a restaurant, <laughs> a pancake restaurant. And then at the end No
3: spoiler alert. No, you no. You got to
2: no. I mean the end <laughs> is really the best part. <laughs> totally the best part. It's not in the house or anything, uh-huh. but like that <laughs> That house and that weird little movie has stayed with me forever.
3: And I can see this on YouTube.
2: Yes, Witcher of okay. the Witch. All right.
3: That's Is nice. this something
1: that made um,
2: like your thesis? No, because yeah, you know, I didn't actually um, think about it until like four or five years ago. Um we went to Maine one summer, and there are a lot of houses driving around. I mean, some yeah. I thought might have been abandoned, and I went up to the door; they weren't abandoned. Yeah. Um, but I was—I just had this feeling, like I've had this feeling before. What is it? And then I was, when I was thinking, I was, like, I guess going back in my memory, and I remembered that movie, that little. Wow. random film and so i like got it up and i watched it and and it totally looked like <laughs> the houses i was seeing yeah Green so buzz, random rosebud moment <laughs> it's it <great>. was <laughs> yeah laced with lsd <laughs> that is amazing
1: and i keep seeing this box uh um, across from me that says bad dreams on it. I'm curious, like, <laughs> so, I mean, just, just watching you talk, it seems like you have an amazing imagination. Does that uh, transfer into, are you, a, are you a big dreamer? As in, like, while sleeping, not um, <laughs> just <yeah>. rosy-colored glasses?
3: <laughs> are you a big dreamer?
2: I, I do have dreams, and I think there are part, times in my life when they're more active, and I don't really... They're like recurring dreams I have had. Some that I still remember from childhood that uh, are very strange. Wow! There's one that I was riding in a car with my mom and my sister was a baby and there was no door. And I just jumped out, like walked out of the car. And that happened a lot. And I still remember it very vividly. Um, but they, those are from an, an installation. You can see it's like unrequited love, relationships. All of these boxes have unfortunate life events listed on them. Wow.
1: Um, so um, I guess going back, so you're undergrad of uh, art history.
2: Yes. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And then MFA photography. Um, like where did... Was the um, focus or the, the interest in the psychological always kind of with you, or did that or was that one of those, like being at a research institution suddenly where it's like, "hmm, hmm I'll mine this territory." Like How did that Or is that just growing up?:
2: It and- just sort of happened. I, I just when I finally figured out what it was about the houses that was driving me, um, then I' directed it more. Gotcha. And decided. Well, what, what? How can I illustrate this in a more artistic way? That's not clinical or un. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully more interesting than that, and meaningful, and something that somebody could carry with them that has lo- that has a lot to do with psychology. So I didn't. I didn't really decide to take any classes. I just, you know, I do research, but I don't get too deep into anything. Just enough to where. I can recognize something in myself or other I don't really analyze other people oh come on she's out. oh others. I was
3: I'm still working on your dream was, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just need a few more pieces of information. <laughs> we'll put full psychological workups mm. on the uh, on the website that's the side by the way you'll receive that after okay. <laughs> so we'll just it. it's a PDF it's brief <laughs> but it'll help
2: i might ask my husband in an opening one well, do you worry that you're wife is always analyzing you and like that some of this work is about you. And he said, like, not really. Yeah.
3: You, you touched on this earlier, but, um, some of, when you're dealing with these, these works that are labor intensive type works, how I know in, in some of this, you feel like you need to have that your hand mm-hmm. in it, but I, how open are you to uh, working with assistants?
2: I do have an assistant. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I think assistants often have good ideas. I mean, why, don't, why don't you use this? And, you know, and so when I am working with an assistant, I do allow it to be somewhat of a collaborative wow. process. I mean, if I if there's an idea I don't really think of work, I can just... Yeah. It's not like collaborating with yeah. another artist and having to work it out. I can just say no, but, um, you know, people have good ideas and they're a little more outside of it than you are. And so maybe I'm not seeing something that they're seeing. So, um, you know, and, and my assistant did have some good ideas as far as, you know, that, that kind of imagery. And she searched for a lot of that imagery and, um, and helped out a lot. And I would say that for many of the pieces.
3: I don't see how you could do, a lot of this work, I don't see how you could do it alone. I mean, I mean, you can, yeah. But wow! Thank you for having us today. Yes, Thank great. you this for has coming. Been, this has been great. And, uh, Very inspiring. Uh,
1: yes,
2: Thank
3: you. love seeing the space and your website,
2: SarahHobbs.net.
3: Very good. Well, we will be sending you the um, assessment. Okay. <laughs> great. I'll See that. In the As
0: well, like- Connect with Joe and Matthew. Take a look at show notes and discover other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. Engage and join the dialogue on social media with hashtag brainfuzzpodcast and on their organically growing Instagram, brainfuzzpodcast. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe to BrainFuzz Podcast on your favourite podcast platform, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher.